Good morning. Good morning. Um, this is my third attempt to record another episode. I was feeling really good and I recorded one and it felt good and then it got deleted and then I tried again straight after while the energy was still good um, and I, then it didn't work and then I gave up uh, and then I, I rested for a few days. I say rested, I got on with my life. Uh, and then finally I was like, oh, well, I'm going to do it again. But I've got a different app to record. Uh, I do like the Anchor app. Um, I think it's good, but sometimes it might be my phone. I did buy the cheapest phone uh, on, on offer. Uh, and it's the lighter version of the cheapest phone. And when they say light, that's code word for shit. Or shitter than the non-light version. Um, I don't usually record... Uh, in the mornings uh, the, on, on a Friday because I'm car sharing but the car share dude uh, he didn't respond to my text this morning or I asked if he needed a lift just to confirm pickup uh, I tried calling him then um, I took the slightly longer route past his house in case he called me back and still hadn't heard anything and then I carried on to work so maybe he's died um, maybe I should have checked on him. Perhaps he's still sat in a chair, holding a beer, watching hockey from last night. Um, still just starting to slow, slowly decompose. Um, but uh, I tried ringing, I text. I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't know what's going on, but um, it means I had an opportunity to record this. So every cloud, um, a colleague has vanished off the face of the earth, but at least I get to do a new episode. Um, on this, or maybe, see, my mind goes to crazy places. Uh, I was wishing that he was abducted by aliens, because um, that would be cool. It's way better than um, someone dying or someone being genuinely abducted by another human. Uh, alien abduction is great, so he'd disappear. It would feel like an hour to him, but he'd actually be gone for five days. He would wake up in the fetal position in the woods with some kind of goo all over his body, all his clothes had gone. Uh, it's not a mental image I want. Um, and then he, like Travis Walton, finds the nearest payphone. And uh, if you don't know who Travis Walton is, Google it. Um, or watch the film Fire in the Sky. It's a very famous UFO abduction case. Um, where the people, his friends who saw him get abducted by a UFO, they actually saw him like be zapped by a big bright light and then they ran away because they were scared and left him to die. Um, they were investigated for murder until he turned up naked in the woods five days later uh, and uh, corroborated their story 100%. It's bizarre. Anyway, who knows? Is it true? I don't know. Uh, is it false? I don't know. But maybe that's what's happened. Um, and if that has happened, uh, based on, on that case, the, then the next step would be a Hollywood film and um, some several book deals and a lifelong career touring paranormal uh, conventions across North America. Um, that's, that's pretty much it, really. Um, things I was going to talk about, uh, I've started to go swimming, I think I might have mentioned it, and uh, where I go swimming is a wonderful place, it's huge two giant swimming pools one for old people who like swimming around in circles talking and one uh, and where kids can just like 
dick about and one where people who just want to swim up and down up and down up and down can swim now when I take my kids to the pool I'm one of those people who's mucking about but when I go on my own I like to do the up and down the lane swimming um, and one of the things that really bugged me in uh, Wales slash the UK slash Europe is that the pools are so small that you try and do lane swimming and you end up with old people crossing your path kids jumping in you just couldn't just get your head down and swim but this one's amazing because you can and the Canadians have innovated lane swimming I don't know maybe they do this in other places it's the first time I've seen it in Canada so I'm going to give them credit uh, where, uh, where credit may not be due but I don't know uh, and it's not something that I think is worth researching to add more uh, uh, I guess more credibility to that statement um, although I do think you should these days it is good to fact check I think you'll forgive me for um, giving the innovation of multi-speed lane swimming uh, as a full credit to the Canadian people but anyway, I'm worrying too much about um, how I'm going to uh, reference all of the things I'm saying in this podcast because I do say things that I just make up off the top of my head quite a lot. So um, I'm not going to continue down this rabbit hole. Um, I'm like a, a mild left-wing Trump. Um, so, the lane swimming... You have a fast lane, a medium lane, and a slow lane, which is brilliant because that's always the frustrating thing about lane swimming when you do get... So first of all, you've got to separate lane swimmers from non-lane swimmers. And then when you get in the lane swimming, you have people who swim at different speeds. And when you're trying to swim and then you have to slow down because uh, someone who looks like they've only learned to swim in their mid-30s... is in front of you you don't really get the full lane swim so you can kind of go well i'm gonna i'm gonna go to medium pace or i'm gonna go fast for 10 minutes and then i'm gonna go slow just to kind of cool down cool down my muscles and everything then so um it's great so i i i I tend to start in the middle to work out what a medium speed is because it's hard to quantify fast medium or slow uh because there's no kind of speedometer uh on my body um, I don't know how they measure speed, maybe with laser beams um, in the Olympics when people are swimming. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's, it's subjective. So I go in the middle lane to understand what a middle speed is, and then I can work up or down. Um, maybe I've thought about this too much, but it makes perfect sense to me. If it doesn't make perfect sense to you, then please contact me um, with a better idea of how to quantify speed in a multi-speed lane swimming situation um it's very interesting i should write a book on it um when i say should uh, i might be overstepping the mark slightly but i if, if you do want to contact me just do it through twitter if you want but i don't check to twitter whereas i'm on instagram a lot i'm flexing the gram uh, as the kids say uh a lot so if you want to see uh visual stuff related to this podcast or just funny things I've screenshotted on Reddit then uh, join Instagram or follow me on Instagram it's at Commuter Chronicles Podcast it's a very long name but it kind of is all there Um, and you can see me flexing on the gram Uh, there'll be no pictures of me 
or, or any loved ones is just random shit and photos of traffic, that kind of thing. Um, so I go to the multi-lane swimming section, I'm in the middle lane, uh, and I make a real conscious effort to understand what a medium speed is, and then I'm going to go front crawl, and I go in the fast lane, or I'm going to float around on my back, uh, slowly, up and down, uh, I'll go in the slow lane. And one thing I've realised is that the speeds mean nothing, um, because as much as I try and find a speed relative to the speed of other people, other people just don't give a shit. And the people in the medium lane were going slower than the people in the slow lane. And then this one guy in the fast lane had claimed the entire lane and was just swimming up and down the middle. Um, but he was going at a pace that I could not, uh, I wouldn't have to slow down. So I was already confused. Usually it's not that busy and I get to go there and dictate <clears throat> what is medium, fast and slow. And as other people arrive, they go, oh yeah, he's going medium, he's going fast, he's going slow. So I, um, I just jumped in there. He was a bit pissed off, you could tell, because that was his lane uh, in his pool. Uh, I don't know if he paid more for it than me, but <clears throat> uh, I, I went in the fast lane and then I swam up and down. But he didn't, what he didn't do, and my understanding of lane swimming is that you go in a anti-clockwise, because in, in Canada, you drive on the right. So you go up the right, then you turn left at the end of the lane and then back down the right hand side. So you just stay, stay right. Count, maybe they call it counterclockwise. So anti slash counterclockwise. Um, but he didn't, he just stuck to the one side and went up and down up. So he, he dissected that lane into two lanes rather than doing a circular, uh, or just a circuit. I don't know why I said a circular. A circuit is a much more appropriate word. Uh, so yeah, uh, and he ended up just doing that. So I was stuck on the other side. So what happened then was nobody else could use this lane. The fast lane just became a lane for me and the other guy who uh, was kind of like, uh, I, I guess he must have been some kind of alpha male with territorial instincts, um, who did not give a fuck about the rules or uh, did not have any civic mindedness about him at all. Uh, it was very awkward, uh, but I stuck to my guns and I kept trying to, to force it to be a circuit and he refused and we didn't speak to each other and we passed each other about 45 times and I come from a culture where queuing is just instinctive. You subconsciously queue, you subconsciously, without having to think, you, you order things in a fair way and uh, this guy was obviously, uh, maybe he was Italian because they hate queuing. They just go for it. So maybe he's from a different culture where politeness, order, and so having some kind of system that makes sense for a wider group of people than just yourself is alien. Um, that doesn't necessarily describe the Italians, just this guy. Uh, I've just seen Italians uh, queuing for aeroplanes and they don't they say the gate is now open and they just swamp the entire thing like a press conference or like like somebody coming out of a court court kind of hearing 
and they get swamped by photographers and camera people. There's no order there. Uh, that's like that's like a uh, an Italian airport from my experience. Funny story from an Italian airport. Um, I once went to visit a friend who had a family home in a really rural part of southern Italy. It was a beautiful place. Stayed there for a week, ate lots of pizza, drank some Italian beers, uh, saw Monte Cassino, where the famous World War II battle happened. That was amazing. Um, aside from that, uh, I was went to Campino Airport near Rome, or Rome, um, and there were three very old nuns. Um, it felt like some kind of bad sketch, but there were three very old nuns struggling to get a huge suitcase off the conveyor belt, which I think I thought was amazing. Rather than having three nuns with three smaller bags, you had three nuns with one large collective luggage bag. Uh, they didn't think that through the logistics of their nun trip, and they couldn't lift it off the conveyor belt. So I was a man in my mid-twenties. Uh, at that point, much better shape than I am now. Gymming it up, which means going to the gym at least three times a week. Um, able-bodied, I guess that's what I'm getting at. So I, I lifted it off the conveyor belt for them and put it down on a, uh, a little trolley thing. And obviously, they didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Italian. I assume they were Italian nuns because they were three nuns in Italy. Uh, and they just started bowing and kissing my hand uh, and that was the strangest experience of my life it was very nice they, they were showing gratitude that I helped them they didn't really have to because to me it felt like that would be a, an instinct that most people would do um, and then I felt like the Pope um, it was weird uh, it was the only time in my life I've ever felt like a Pope um, if you've ever felt like the Pope um, then and I don't mean you had the urge to maybe watch videos of the Pope. Uh, I mean, felt like uh, you would be given some kind of uh, gracious worship by uh, people who have devoted themselves to religion. Um, then let me know on uh, Flex on the Gram or Tweet or something. Um, or send me a voice message. Uh, maybe uh, one of my two listeners, one through Twitter who likes to comment, and the other... Uh, who sends me voice messages you know him, you've heard his voice uh, Mylar, who has one of the greatest voices for radio that I've ever heard um, he should have a radio show just because of his voice, even if he had nothing to say and he just read uh, a book, he's just got a good radio voice um, what do you think? have you ever felt like the Pope? have you ever had an experience where you were worshipped religiously by religious people? Uh, undeservedly so as well uh, because um, I kind of felt bad uh, because it felt like such an over it was a very exuberant expression of gratitude to a um, an agnostic in his mid-twenties uh, who was surprised <laughs> by the uh, overwhelming worship of three elderly nuns in Italy with bad logistical planning when it came to luggage uh, I don't know, maybe they were waiting for a, a burly monk to come and uh, load, load things up for them. Uh, I imagine that, for some reason, in my head, I see three elderly nuns with smaller carry-on cases on mopeds. Makes more sense logistically 
than three nuns with one big suitcase in a small uh, vehicle, a small car, like a Fiat Panda, uh, with the, the, the suitcase taking up part of the back seat. Um, I don't know why I've got that in my head. I don't know why it's appropriate. Uh, I don't think it's particularly interesting, um, but that's what appears in my head. Um, and now I can't get it out of my head, and it means I'm running out of things to talk about apart from nun logistics. Um, again, if you've got any opinions on nun logistics, share them with me. Um, I could talk about it. Um, actually, talking about, I, I keep saying about this shit, and when people do say things, I never bring it up. So, um, one of the listeners of the two listeners uh, commented, she said that um, the concoction I fed my son at the hockey match there were no surprises, essentially I don't remember the exact wording but the gist of it was there was no surprise that he was sick and I know there wasn't Um, it was a a, a classic case, if you didn't listen to the episode uh, I would fill you in but you should go back and listen to it, it's called Hockey um, it's me describing my first ever experience at a hockey match with my seven-year-old son. Um, anyway, listen to it. I, I'm not going to give it away, but it ends with him being violently sick. Uh, so, uh, although you know the, the ending, I'm sure you want to find out the story that got to that point. So, uh, they basically commented saying there's no surprise that the concoction that I fed him made him sick. Um, this was food. Um, I wasn't just getting chemicals out of the cupboard. <clears throat> and um, thanks for the feedback. Um, I know I shouldn't have. And with hindsight, it was a bad idea. It was bad parenting. But uh, we had a great time. And I was teaching him a valuable lesson. You can party too hard sometimes. And then you'll, you'll face the consequences eventually. I agree it's quite early to teach him that at seven. But, um, you know, I think that he's going to be better prepared for when he starts to party uh, in his late teens. Oh, you've got to be 19 to drink in Canada, which is a weird age to drink. Um, I don't know why you can't be 18. Um, But you can drive at 16. Uh, It's all slightly different, but not enough to be massively different. So you can drive sooner, but you drink later. Actually, that makes sense when you say it out loud like that. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm going to go now, because this is getting very waffly. Um, and I've jumped topics so often. We've had swimming, we've had nuns. Um, we've had... I can't even remember. Whatever I was just talking about, we had that too. So you have a great Friday and a beautiful weekend.